Hi, I'm Bill Arnold. Thank you for listening to this podcast. There are many more podcasts available at MyFaithRadio.com. Your support makes this possible. Thank you. And a warm welcome to the afternoon show. I'm Bill Arnold. Here's a big question. Who is the Holy Spirit? That's the topic of our full hour with Dr. Greg Allison. I'm so glad I'm back on the show. I just met him for the first time, uh, the last time he was on, and he had written a book called 40 Questions About Roman Catholicism. And I could easily be spending another hour uh, talking about that because it's so interesting and there's so much to learn but we are going to keep moving on because he has so much material, and I want to try to cover more than just uh, his book on Catholicism. Um, Greg uh, comes to us from the South Southern Baptist Theological Seminary, where he is a professor, and uh, yeah, really glad to have him back. Greg, welcome. Thanks for having me back, Bill. I uh, fondly recall our conversation a month ago on Roman Catholicism, and I'm thrilled to be back with you today. Oh, good. I'm glad I jarred your memory. I had a good friend of mine uh, ask me a question at the the last couple minutes of the hour we had, and I thought, I wonder if I can remember this question for next time I have Greg on. And here's the question he asked, and the question is, why are many evangelicals migrating to go to Catholic services? That's a really good question, and there's a significant number of evangelicals doing that, and they do so for a couple reasons. Uh, I think overall, they are in search of transcendence, something that goes beyond just earthly matters, earthly concerns, something supernatural, something mysterious, something transcendent. And they find transcendence in, their, in the Roman Catholic Church, particularly its uh, mass. Mm-hmm. And so they're attracted to go to these masses, right? And and there they find uh, authority, uh, the the Pope and the hierarchy of the Church. They find clarity in terms of what uh, true doctrine is in the Roman Catholic view and the proper interpretation of Scripture. They feel connected to the past because the Roman Catholic Church claims to be have been around for two thousand years. Uh, they they have a sense of unity. They have this sense that the Roman Catholic Church is a monolithic organization, and so they they're attracted to go to the Catholic Church in particular. Goes to go to its worship services in the Mass. Mm-hmm. Great answer. Thank you very much, Greg. Now we'll move on to our topic of the day, and I just want you to know I've got a, some questions I want to ask you, and some of them might seem a little obvious to you, Greg. But that doesn't mean I I don't want your answer and your perspective. So uh, bear with me if you get a couple of questions that make your eyebrows go up, okay? I'll, I'll let you know when they do. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, let's start with who, who is the Holy Spirit? We Christians believe that God is Trinity, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit is the third person of the Holy Trinity. By third person, we don't mean that he's not equal in nature and attributes and glory and power to the Father and the Son. No, he's actually, he's absolutely equal to them, sharing the same divine attributes in nature. But he's a third person in the sense of 
he has a particular relationship with the Father and the Son and engages in certain roles. We shouldn't think of the Holy Spirit kind of as a, like a minor God, mm-hmm. like the third in line, kind of like a basketball player on the junior varsity team just longing for and hoping that the Father and the Son on the varsity team will call him up to join them on the varsity team. He can get off the junior varsity team and become fully God. That's that's not how we should think about the Holy Spirit. Because he, the Holy Spirit is indeed fully God. He is indeed fully God. Right. So whatever we can affirm of the Father, he's all-powerful, everywhere present, all-knowing, gracious, loving, truth-telling. We can also affirm of the Son, and we can also affirm of the Holy Spirit. There is no difference whatsoever between the three in terms of their divine attributes. Okay. Uh, Dr. Greg Allison, let me ask you this. Is the Holy Spirit a divine person or a force or a power or an influence? He is a divine person, just as the Father is, just as the Son is. But we often today, maybe because we are obsessed with power, we often associate, almost identify the Holy Spirit with his power. So he's the force within Christians. He's the power to overcome our sin. He's the power to uh, engage in the gospel presentation with others. He's the, the, the influence in our life. And that really depersonalizes the Holy Spirit. He's not a force. He's not a power. He's not uh, just an influence. He, he prays, he teaches, he bears witness, he testifies, and forces, powers, influences. They don't do any of those kinds of personal activities. He is, the Holy Spirit is a divine person. Mm-hmm. So, Greg, when you have this image of Jesus getting baptized by John the Baptizer in the Jordan River, and the heavens opening and the voice of God saying, you know, this is my son whom I, I love with whom I'm well pleased— and the spirit descending in the form of a dove, is this, is this a helpful image for us? I think it is. It, first of all, focuses our attention on God is Trinity. We have the Father speaking words of commendation from heaven, mm-hmm. directed toward his Son, who is being baptized as the Holy Spirit, as a dove, is descending upon the Son. So we have Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, And this descent of the Holy Spirit on Jesus marks him out uh, to begin his messianic ministry. He is now God's representative to uh, perform miracles, engage in his teaching, build disciples, uh, begin a movement that will eventually turn into the church. And so here Jesus is launched on his messianic ministry. He will become the Savior and Lord. Uh, through his death and resurrection, and the Holy Spirit is coming upon him to empower him all steps along the way for that mission. Mm-hmm. So, Greg, do we do we worship the Holy Spirit as we do the Father and the Son? There's no specific passage in the Bible that tells us to do that, but if we think biblically, if we think theologically, and we know that the Holy Spirit is fully God, then it only makes sense that, yes, we should worship the Holy Spirit as we do the Father and as we do the Son. The early Church had this confession or profession of faith. We believe in the Holy Spirit, who with the Father and the Son is worshipped and glorified. 
So from the very beginning, the church has always acknowledged that God is triune, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and the same worship that we accord the Father and that we accord the Son, we also accord the Holy Spirit because he is fully God. So, Greg, do you, do you imagine in heaven at the information booth, this is going to be the longest line? <laughs> My eyebrows are going up. <laughs> good, good. Then I'm asking a, kind of a dumb question. No, but, no, it's a really good observation. Oh, okay. Because Scripture has a lot more revelation about the Father and about the Son. And in comparison, there's not as much devoted to the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. So we probably have more questions about the Holy Spirit than we do about the Father and the Son. So, sure. yep, bring sure. on that line. Let's but, be a part of it. <laughs> yeah, but once you once you get to the, the desk and you're going to ask about the Holy Spirit, but aren't you going to also say, all right, do I get to now understand the Trinity? Because uh, that would be a that'd be a great uh, a great explanation. Yes. Um, I think we will understand, gradually understand more and more about who God is, that he is Trinity, Mm -hmm. but we will live with the triune God forever, so we will always be knowing more and loving him more. So, yeah, go to the information desk, (laughs) and then just hang on for the next uh, eternity and learn more. (laughs) Do you think in glory there's going to be a, a physical representation of the Holy Spirit? Uh, there's gosh, there's the five so there's the father there's the son ah there's the holy spirit right over there so yeah revelation 21 and 22 it pictures you know god in his glory seated on the throne but he's not embodied right the son definitely is he's the lamb that was slain so the son is fully god and fully man the holy spirit has never become embodied that's a real tough one i i think we'll see with the eyes of faith but what we will see is not necessarily physical. Mm-hmm. That makes any sense. It does make sense. Dr. Greg Allison is my guest. And if you have a question about the Holy Spirit, and I know you do, you can text it over to 877-933-2484. And uh, Dr. Allison will do his very best to answer what your question might be. Again, 877 uh, we're going to take a little break when we come back, continue our discussion on who is the Holy Spirit with Dr. Greg Allison. We'll be right back in just a minute. Thanks so much for listening to Afternoons with Bill Arnold. Hey, I'm Susie Larson. If you enjoy what you're finding here, consider subscribing to some of our other faith radio podcasts, like mine, for instance. You can search Susie Larson Live at myfaithradio.com or wherever you listen to podcasts. Hit subscribe and have a great day. Welcome to the show. Dr. Greg Allison is my guest. He spells Greg with two G's if you look it up. He is the professor of Christian theology at the Southern Baptist Theological Seminary. He's written a whole number of books, and he is uh, so nice to come back on the show. We spoke to him earlier about the 40 questions about Roman Catholicism. So if you remember that show, 
That was my guest, Dr. Greg Allison. So it's nice to have him on. All right, Greg, as we continue to talk about the Holy Spirit, here comes one of the big questions. You ready for it? You get, yep. Good. Is it proper to direct specific prayer to the Holy Spirit? That is a great question. And I want to start with the biblical pattern, the normal way that we pray. We address our prayer to the Father in the name of the Son, and in step with or empowered by the Holy Spirit. That's the normal way. That's the common way. As Jesus taught us to pray, our Father who art in heaven, and then Jesus taught us to then pray in his authority, in his name. And then we have the Holy Spirit, who's the one who directs us and empowers us. So that's the general pattern. But it's not incorrect to pray specific prayers to the Father, to the Son, to the Holy Spirit. For example, we might pray a prayer to the Son, uh, uh, Father, uh, or sorry, uh, Son of God, thank you for becoming incarnate, mm-hmm. for becoming the God-man, Jesus Christ, dying on the cross for my sins and resurrecting after three days. Thank you, Son, for doing that. That would be a prayer we would not properly direct to the Father, because he didn't become the God-man, he didn't die on the cross and rise again. We would also not direct it to the Holy Spirit because he did not become the God-man, he did not die and resurrect. Mm -hmm. But if it's proper to pray particular, specific prayers to God the Son, Jesus Christ, so also it's proper to direct specific prayers to the Holy Spirit. For example, we know that the Holy Spirit empowers the Church to be witnesses of Jesus Christ in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the uttermost parts of the earth. So, and, and we know that the Holy Spirit convicts unbelievers of their sin. So as we're sharing the gospel, for example, with Meredith, we might ask the Holy Spirit to convict Meredith of her sin and to empower us to speak the gospel clearly and earnestly. And we might ask the Holy Spirit to open Meredith's heart to receive this good news. And so that would be a prayer properly directed to the Holy Spirit. So, yes, I think it is proper to direct specific prayer to the Spirit. Mm-hmm. Thank you for that answer. Um, question just came in, Greg. I'm so confused about the Trinity. How can the Holy Spirit be as high as God the Father? And if so, why have the Trinity? And Jesus is a person, but God the Father is what? Oh, wow. <laughs> Uh, we need a whole hour on the Trinity, at least. Yeah, yeah I know. Um, that was kind of a big question. So, why God is the way he is, uh, no one can answer that question other than God himself. All we know is from the Bible that God is triune, that the Father is presented as the one who is fully God. He's all-powerful. He's everywhere present. He's all-knowing. He's the creator He's truth-telling. He's faithful. We also then see the Son incarnate, Jesus Christ, and he is exhibiting fully divine attributes like forgiving sins, being compassionate, uh, gracious and merciful. He engages in acts, miracles that it would be divine. And similarly, we see the Holy Spirit performing divine activities. And so we conclude from the whole of the Bible that God eternally exists as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, 
And this is not the Father is the greatest and the Son is in the middle and the Holy Spirit is junior God. We don't have that from Scripture. So that's a brief answer to that. Very complicated, but great question. Yeah. Uh, Greg, I feel like I learn about the Holy Spirit in Genesis 1.1. It says, In the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the water. So my question is, what is the Holy Spirit's role in creation? Genesis 1, 1 to 2, that you just read, introduces us to God as the Creator, and very importantly, the second verse introduces us to the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit. So God the Father, if we, if we read all of Genesis, God the Father speaks, let there be light, let there be an expanse between the waters, let the water under the sky be gathered into one place, let dry ground appear. God the Father speaks, in fact, he speaks ten times, kind of reminds us of the Ten Commandments, God the Father speaks ten times, and he speaks through his word, who we know from the Gospel of John, John 1, 1-3, the word is the Son, Jesus Christ. So God the Father speaks creation into existence through his word, God the Son, and this original creation, as Moses writes about here, was formless, so there wasn't any structure to it. It was empty, it was void, there was nothing filling it. It was dark. If you've ever been in a cave, when you turn off all the lights, you can put your hand right in front of your eyes and you can't see anything. It's pitch black. And then there was, it was watery. So it was, was formless, empty, it was dark, and it was watery. And I think these raw materials then become the uh, materials that the Father speaks into existence through the Son, and the Holy Spirit prompts those raw materials to respond obediently to the Father's word of creation. So the the Spirit is preparing, and this is the image of the dove, he's Mm -hmm. preparing these raw materials for the days of creation that follow in the narration of Genesis 1. And then he's perfecting this original creation such that God declares it in Genesis 1.31, very good. Mm -hmm. Dr. Greg Allison is my guest, talking about the Holy Spirit. Greg, what is the Holy Spirit's role in inspiring the Bible? In 2 Timothy 3.16, we read that all Scripture, so all of the Bible, is God-breathed. And that word that we say, breathe, is the same word that we use for spirit. So there is a Holy Spirit at the center of the inspiration of all of Scripture. And then in 2 Peter 1.21, we learned that the Holy Spirit was moving the biblical authors as they wrote. So the biblical authors, as they wrote from God, as they wrote his truth, as he wrote, as they, they wrote the Bible, um, the Holy Spirit was moving them along. Picture a sailboat that's moved across a lake by a wind. The Spirit was directing the biblical authors, Moses and Malachi and Matthew and Paul and the others, so that what they wrote, the inspired Word of God, was authoritative, truthful, clear, necessary, sufficient, and it's transformative of our lives. Mm-hmm. All right. What about the Holy Spirit's role in salvation? 
Yes. So we talked about praying for Meredith as we share the good news with her. It's very interesting. The Spirit, as we're sharing the gospel, reaches into Meredith's heart, and he causes this displeasure, this discomfort with her life, right? She's convicted by the Spirit of her sin and her self-righteousness and her worldly judgment. Jesus talks about this in John chapter 16, verses 8 to 11. The Spirit is working in the life of Meredith, even as she is an unbeliever, to cause this disruption, this pleasure in her life. She says, you know what? I'm sick and tired of my life. I'm fed up with who I am. And she is prompted then by the Spirit to repent, to turn from her sins, and believe in Jesus Christ. And she's regenerated by the Holy Spirit. The Spirit removes that old Meredith, that Mm. old self, that old nature, and in its place imparts this new Meredith, this new self, this new nature, who loves God, wants to serve Him, loves others. So the Spirit is at work in Meredith just to, even before she embraces the gospel, moving her to embrace the good news and then causing her to be born again. Mm, Thank you, Greg. What about the Holy Spirit's role in sanctification? So uh, the, the New Testament really indicates that the Holy Spirit has a particular role in our sanctification. Sanctification, we could define as growing in holiness, becoming more holy. So it makes sense that the one who prompts our growth in holiness is none other than the Holy Spirit. We grow to be more holy because the Holy Spirit is working to mature us, make us more like the image of Jesus Christ. So the Holy Spirit is sanctifying us. Um, He is the spirit of adoption, so we know that we're children of God. And so we we cry out through the Holy Spirit, Abba, Father, we recognize God now as, as our Heavenly Father. And the Holy Spirit gives us assurance of our salvation. Paul, in Romans 8, 16, talks about the Holy Spirit bearing witness with our spirit and assuring us that we're children of God. So there's this inner conviction, there's this inner certainty that once we've embraced the gospel, we belong to Christ, and we belong to Christ forever. That's the work of the Spirit. Mm, I love it. All right, Greg, my next question is going to require some space, and because we're coming up uh, to a hard break, I don't have that space to give you plenty of room to answer it. But when I come back from the break, I want to ask what the Holy Spirit's role is in the assurance of salvation. So that's what I want you to be thinking about over the break. So uh, Dr. Greg Allison is my guest. We are talking today about the Holy Spirit. And if you have a question, and there's some really great questions coming in, the text line is open. So you can ask any question you have on the Holy Spirit And I will ask Dr. Allison on your behalf. The number to text is 877-933-2484. Again, 877-933-2484. And if you've not downloaded the Faith Radio app, you really should, because it's a great way to stay connected to Faith Radio. No matter where you are, you can listen live or on demand. So you can go download the free Faith Radio app in your app store today. We'll take a short break and be right back with Dr. Allison.
afternoon show with Bill Arno. Drive time, drive time, let's get it started. Jump in your car, what's for dinner? It's the afternoon show with Bill Arno. Welcome to the show. If you just stepped in your automobile and started up your car and tuned into Faith Radio, you're listening to the Afternoon Show with me. I'm Bill Arnold, and our guest today is Dr. Greg Allison, and we're talking about the Holy Spirit. And not only is it, uh, we got some great questions coming in, but uh, Greg, I want to go back to uh, my question about what is the Holy Spirit's role in, in the assurance of salvation? I know you touched on it briefly, but I'd like to hear more. I think this is one of the most important questions that uh, Christians wrestle with. How can I know that I'm a Christian, and how can I know that I will remain a Christian throughout my whole life? As we face difficulties and trials and temptations, we're concerned, will will our faith persevere? Will we continue all the way to the end? And and it's interesting, uh, in Romans 8.16, Paul says that the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, bears witness with our spirit. So the Holy Spirit of God, who is outside of us, right, he bears witness, he tells us, he testifies, he reveals to us, to our spirit, our very core, the center of our being. There he gives us this certainty that we are children of God and we will remain children forever. And this assurance of salvation is not reserved for elites, It's not reserved for only the most mature believers. It's not reserved for people who go to Bible school or seminary. It's the privilege of all genuine followers of Jesus Christ. And there's this inner certainty that we have. For example, I became a Christian my senior year in high school. And as I cried out to God, save me, the very first thought that flooded my mind And it wasn't because the preacher was preaching about that or I had read about it, but the very first thought that flooded my mind was, now you have eternal life. Mm. Now you have eternal life. And I remember doing a double take, like, where did that come from? It wasn't an audible voice. But by reading scripture, particularly Romans 8, 16, months later, I discovered that that was the spirit bearing witness with my spirit, my inner core. Now you have eternal life. And that gave me that assurance. I have embraced the good news, Jesus is mine, and I will follow him faithfully because he will make it so. He's faithful, and so uh, he will bring me all the way to the end. Mm -hmm. In the How to Be a Good Radio Host brochure that I read, it said that uh, you have to listen carefully. And I heard you say this, and I want to make sure I heard it correctly, but did you say that the Holy Spirit lives outside of us? Because I always think of the Holy Spirit living inside of me. Right. So as as we cross that line of faith, yes. oh, so gotcha. as we embrace as we embrace that, right? The yes. Holy Spirit who's working outside of us now comes to dwell in us. Good catch. Oh now he comes to dwell in us. He remains in us forever. Yeah, good catch. Okay. Thanks. Okay. Uh Greg, what is the Holy Spirit's role in our glorification? So uh let's assume Jesus doesn't come back before we die. And so when we die uh, we go in immediately into the presence of Jesus in heaven, but we're lacking an essential part of our human nature. We're disembodied, right? Our body is sloughed off. It's laid in a tomb, in a grave, buried at sea, cremated, whatever might happen to it, right? So we're disembodied, Bill. We're disembodied, Greg, in heaven 
in the presence of Jesus, but we are lacking our bodies. At Jesus' return, right, we will be re-embodied. We will receive our resurrection body. And actually, it's the Holy Spirit who is the one who will resurrect us, who will give us our glorified, um, resurrected bodies, so that once again, we will be Bill, body and soul, Greg, body and soul, Mm. now with Jesus Christ forever in the new heavens and the new earth, and with our glorified bodies. So I'm going to be six foot nine, 275 (laughs) pounds, dunked over LeBron James in his and that's going to be the work of the Holy Spirit. I love Just it. Joking, of course. No, Just I know, joking. but I love it. I love it. <laughs> um, Greg, what is what 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 was the Holy Spirit's role in the life and ministry of Jesus? This is a fascinating question, and the answer is it, when the Son becomes the God Man, the Son incarnate, mm-hmm. Jesus Christ, from the first second of his conception until eternity future, the Holy Spirit is filling Jesus Christ without measure. We read this in the Gospel of John. So even before the Son of God is conceived in the womb of the Virgin Mary, we know from Matthew's Gospel and Luke's Gospel that the only way that the Incarnation came about was through the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit overshadowed the Virgin Mary, and then she became pregnant with the God-man. She now had uh, the God-man, Jesus Christ, uh, developing in her womb. And Matthew and Luke are very clear this did not come about because Mary had sexual intercourse with Joseph or any other man. That did not happen. Rather, it was the Holy Spirit who came upon her, and therefore she became the mother of Jesus Christ. So she's uh, conceived, uh, Jesus is conceived by the Holy Spirit in the womb of the Virgin Mary, and then he is born. And, and John gives us clear indication in his gospel that from the moment of Jesus' conception, he is filled without measure with the presence and power of the Holy Spirit. Now, according to Luke chapter 4, at the beginning of Jesus' ministry, Jesus goes into the synagogue in Nazareth. He goes into the Sabbath day, and he's handed the scroll of the prophet Isaiah. He unrolls it, and he cites, he reads from Isaiah 61 verses 1 and 2, the Spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to preach the good news to the poor. And so he reads from the scroll of Isaiah, he rolls it up, returns it to the attendant, Jesus sits down, everyone looks at him, and he says, today, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. Mm -hmm. So Jesus acknowledges from the very beginning of his ministry that he has been anointed by the Spirit of the Lord. He's the fulfillment of these Old Testament prophecies, and he is going to announce the good news. So as he proclaims the gospel, as he teaches his disciples, as he confronts his enemies, as he performs exorcisms, as he engages in miracles, Jesus always does so as the God-man filled with the presence and power of the Holy Spirit. And indeed, he's hanging on the cross. He's dying as an atoning sacrifice for our sin, held up by the Holy Spirit. And he's resurrected by the Holy Spirit from the very beginning all the way to continues. Uh, Jesus Christ is in that uh, intimate relationship with the Holy Spirit, his presence and power. Mm -hmm. Dr. Greg Allison is my guest talking about the Holy Spirit. Greg, what is the role of the 
Holy Spirit in the church? Jesus dies, he resurrects, he ascends. And then on the day of Pentecost, we read about this in Acts chapter 2, um, the Holy Spirit is poured out from the Father and the Son. He's poured out on the disciples. This is called baptism with the Holy Spirit. And what emerges from the Holy Spirit being poured out on the disciples is the Church of Jesus Christ. That event gives birth to the body of Christ, the temple of the Holy Spirit, the Church. So the Church begins at Pentecost. And I think every Church that comes into existence today is also birthed by the Holy Spirit. When I do work with church planters, I ask them, where do you think the Holy Spirit is directing you to prepare and plant your church? So the Spirit is birthing new spirit, uh, new churches today. According to Paul in Ephesians 4.3, the Spirit gives us unity that we are to maintain. The Spirit calls and equips leaders, pastors, uh, elders, ministers in our churches He gives gifts to uh, the members of the church for the building up of the body of Christ. The Holy Spirit is very much involved, again, in every step of the way with the church. Mm -hmm. Thank you for that answer. Greg, how do we uh, walk with the Holy Spirit today? Uh, Paul, in Ephesians 5.18, gives us this command. Don't be drunk with wine. That leads to debauchery. But be filled with the Spirit. So that be filled is a command. It's not a suggestion. It's not a warning. It's not a promise. It's a command. It's an imperative. Be filled with the Spirit. As a command, we have a choice. We can obey it, which we should, or we can disobey it, which we shouldn't do. We can do it, but we should obey it. Moreover, it's an ongoing command. We could paraphrase it. Keep on being filled with the Spirit moment by moment throughout your life. So it's a command. We should obey it. But what does obedience to that command look like? Mm -hmm. It looks like a posture of yieldedness, a posture of submission. It's when I fall out of bed in the morning. I'm not an early person, early morning person. When I fall out of bed in the morning and I cry out, Spirit, fill me, that begins my day with the right posture. Be filled with the Spirit, yield to the Spirit, submit to the Spirit day by day, moment by moment. And so this is the way we are filled with the Spirit, yielding to Him. And then Paul in Galatians 5 commands us to walk in the Spirit. So all our pilgrimage on this earth as believers were to do it in the presence and the power of the Spirit. Paul also in Galatians 5 says, keep in step with the Spirit, which means we shouldn't run ahead of the Spirit, but we shouldn't lag behind the Spirit. Keep in step, keep up with the Spirit and His guidance and his filling, his presence, and his power in our life. That's what it means to walk with the Holy Spirit today. Mm -hmm. This might be more of the same, Greg, but what can I do to grow my relationship with the Holy Spirit? Um, Just like all Christians would do uh, to grow in their faith, it would be reading the Bible, studying the Bible, memorizing Scripture, Mm -hmm. meditating on Scripture, applying it, obeying it, trusting it, praying, uh, praying that the Holy Spirit would further sanctify us, praying that the Spirit would illumine the Word of God so we rightly understand it, praying that the Holy Spirit would soften our hearts and get us ready to obey and trust and give thanks to God. 
it's it's worshiping worshiping together with other believers in our worship services to learn more about walking in the spirit. So, and then the other spiritual disciplines of of fasting and journaling, retreating, and things like that. All of these are helpful in our sanctification, which is brought about through the Word of God and the Spirit of God. Mm-hmm. So helpful. Dr. Greg Allison is my guest. We're talking about the Holy Spirit. If you have a question, uh, you can text it over, 877-933-2484. When we come back, I want to talk about the gifts of the Holy Spirit, and that might chew up the rest of our time. But uh, if you have a question, send it on over. The text line is open. Again, 877-933-2484. Faith Radio and Afternoons with Bill podcasts are available because of listener support. If you are a supporter, thank you so much. Becoming a supporter today by visiting myfaithradio.com. My guest is Dr. Greg Allison. Not only do I think he's had a long day, but he's, I think, think you're an hour ahead of me, aren't you, Greg? Yes, that's right. Yeah. You're, you're in the Eastern time zone. So you're yep. going on quarter to seven. So thank you for uh, making this part of your day. I know you've had a lot to do today. Um, we're uh, talking. It's enjoyable to do this. So it's not a, not a burden on me. Well, thank I, you. I sense that it is. I, I mean, you just, this comes, just pours out of you. So I know you're having a good, uh, enjoyable time. So as we talk about the, the gifts of the Holy Spirit, maybe the, the question I want to ask is, what, what are the gifts of the Holy Spirit? So they are abilities, capacities that go beyond our normal human capacity or ability that uh, we use to glorify God and build up the Church of Jesus Christ. So they're gifts like uh, leading and teaching faith, giving, helping, uh, showing mercy, uh, and things like that. Uh, so abilities and capacities that God gives us for uh, the building up of the Church to glorify God, we may benefit from these gifts, these abilities and capacities, but they're primarily not for us, for personal growth or personal self-aggrandizement, but rather they're really for others to build others up in Jesus Christ. So each member of our church, uh, all of my listeners here who are following Jesus Christ, right, you have a gift or gifts, and the scriptures call you to use those gifts to help build up your local church. Uh, I like that. Thank you. What is the fruit of the Holy Spirit? The fruit of the Holy Spirit, uh, different from gifts, Those would be attitudes and actions, um, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, self-control, right? So this is the Christ-like attitudes and the Christ-like behavior that is produced in us as followers of Christ through the Holy Spirit. We should all seek to bear the fruit of the Spirit. We should all be filled with the Spirit, yield to the Spirit, submit to the Spirit, so that His fruit is produced in us. That's different from the gifts of the Spirit, which are 
kind of individual capacities or abilities that we don't all share. They're different because we need different parts for the building up of the church. So every member should exhibit the fruit of the Spirit and should then exercise his or her gifts of the Spirit for the building up of the church. Mm-hmm. So I have a question that came into the text line. Let me find it here real quick. And that is, does the Holy Spirit cause laughing fits, exhaustion, or strange behavior? And I was thinking about that, and I, th- I thought, isn't there something um, in Scripture about someone uh, like having holy laughter or laughing uncontrollably as a result of being filled with the Holy Spirit's joy? I'm not aware of okay. any particular biblical passage. There have been... Um, revivals or breakouts uh, in church history that have been attributed to the Holy Spirit. Okay. There's been like uncontrollable actions, maybe swoonings, mm-hmm. uh, uh, laughter. Back in Toronto, maybe 20 years ago, there was a revival of holy laughter. Um, I, I'm just a little suspicious of yeah. that. Scripture presents God as a God of order he gives instructions for how to use our gifts, how to behave in the church. It's always orderly. It's not ever about confusion. So I'm really uh, suspicious of those who say, I have this uncontrollable laughter, or I'm swooning, or I'm out of control. I don't think that that's really the Holy Spirit at work. I would agree. My my first instinct was that wouldn't be something that the Holy Spirit would be prompting you to ever do. I bet that's just... My instinct. I share your instinct with you. Yeah. All right. Here's a question uh, from a listener. Um, how do we know Ephesians 5.18 says, be filled with the Spirit and not be filled in your spirit? Like, let your heart be full. Um, because it has reference to the Holy Spirit, not to our small S spirit. Okay. Be filled with the Spirit. Um so it really is a reference to the one who dwells in us. The Spirit dwells in us, uh, but he wants us to obey the command to yield to him. We can have the Spirit in us, but disobey him. Quench the Spirit. Mm-hmm. Throw cold, cold water on the Spirit, right? We don't want to do that. So the Spirit who dwells in us, he wants to direct and guide us. So our responsibility is yield to, um, submit to the Holy Spirit, and when we do, then he builds up the church through our gifts, he produces the fruit of the Spirit, there's unity, and things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, when we have this born-from-above experience, and you have that m- moment where you've become saved, and the Holy Spirit takes up residence in your life immediately— is that correct? Yes, that's exactly right. All right. Yep. Uh, Dr. Allison, what happens then when people further down their faith journey all of a sudden want to pray to receive the Holy Spirit? Um, I would direct them not to pray to receive the Holy Spirit, but pray for uh, a fresh uh, empowerment of the Spirit, a more direct guidance of the Spirit, um, uh, a power of the Spirit to overcome obstacles that they've erected in their relationship with God, 
um, overcoming sin that's rooted in their life, asking the Spirit to refresh them, empower them, make his presence known in a more clear and powerful way. But I I would not direct people to pray to receive the Holy Spirit. They already have the Holy Spirit. As you just said, the moment we repent of our sins, embrace Christ, and are saved, the Holy Spirit comes to dwell in us. So we don't need to receive him. We need to yield more. We need to ask the Spirit to be present, changing us, transforming us, empowering us to do his will. Mm -hmm. Greg, maybe you could talk about people who suffer from isolation or loneliness, and they're they're Christians. So they're born-again believers. So the third person of the Trinity, the Holy Spirit, is living in them. How are we not making this connection that, that we have this amazing person of the Holy Spirit living in us as a complete comfort to us at any time in our life? Well, he is the comforter, isn't he? Yeah, so he is. That's, that's one of his uh, titles. He's the comforter. So when our backs are against the wall, when we're undone, when we can't hold back the tears, when we're just suffering, the Holy Spirit brings comfort. That That's true. And the Holy Spirit has placed us in the body of Christ so that we are members with one another, members of one another, so we don't have to suffer alone, nor do we simply re- rely on the comforting presence of the Spirit. He's also given us the comforting presence of our brothers and sisters. It's not an either-or, it's a both-and be comforted by the Holy Spirit who dwells in us and be comforted by our brothers and sisters who will pray for us, love us, who will say, I'm going through the same thing, or I've gone through the same thing. Let me help you. Let me come alongside you. Or maybe brothers and sisters who will just sit with us and suffer alongside us and will know God's comforting presence through them. I think it's a both and. Okay. And and to try to be loving and kind to my some of my Pentecostal brothers and sisters that would say you don't really have the spirit until you uh, have a sign of it, like speaking in tongues um, or something like that, where some believe that that's necessary and others don't. Yeah, um, there's a division among many Christians today, and it's the Pentecostal or charismatic emphasis Mm -hmm. on baptism with the spirit sometime after our conversion, often this experiences signified by speaking in tongues, and then those who have never had that experience. I I, I don't like divisions Mm -hmm. in the body of Christ, right? So I lament that, and and maybe we should engage more in dialogue with one another, try and better understand one another, and let's not elevate our spirituality or our experience with the Spirit above others or, or, or feel inferior to others, Let's let's seek to build one another up in the faith mm. and encourage one another. Whatever your experience has been with the Holy Spirit up to date, tomorrow be filled with the Spirit, and the next day be filled with the Spirit, and the day after be filled with the Spirit. Keep walking with the Spirit. Keep becoming more like Jesus Christ, and let's not argue, and let's not become bitter and superior or inferior feelings toward one another. It's just not helpful, no. is it? Amen to that. So, Greg, as a student of God's Word for so many years and a professor at a seminary and a guy who's written a book on the Holy Spirit, what has been a discovery that you made in your studying 
that became this really huge aha moment for you? It, act, it actually began way back in my university days when I went to a meeting of what was then called Campus Crusade for Christ, or CRU. I went to a meeting. I was a Christian, but I didn't know how to live for the Lord. I wasn't walking with Jesus. As a freshman at the university, I was going through all kinds of turmoil, as usual. Right, and, and I went to a meeting of crew. We went to a breakout session. The session that I chose was titled, Have You Made the Wonderful Discovery of the Spirit-Filled Life? Mm. Have You Made the Wonderful Discovery of the Spirit-Filled Life? 45 minutes after that uh, um, breakout session, I understood that God did not intend me to live the Christian life on my own, using my own resources. I was an utter failure because of that. Rather, God had provided every resource and all the resources I would ever need to walk with him and please him. One of the key resources is, is, is the Holy Spirit. That meeting changed my life. 180 degrees wow. changed. Wow. That's why for all these decades, I've taught on the Holy Spirit. I do conferences on the Spirit. I've written a book on the Holy Spirit. I've got another one coming out next year. I just I love this topic because it's so personal to me. And I, I just long for all of our listeners to walk with Jesus, being filled with the Spirit, moment by moment. Amen. Greg, next time I'm having you on, I'm going to have you open by telling your Notre Dame story, because it's amazing. And I'm looking forward to having you back on the show soon. I will do it. Thank you yeah. so much. This is so enjoyable, Bill. Oh, I'd I'm love glad you think it. so. Yeah. That's our show for the day. My guest has been Dr. Greg Allison. If you missed any of it, go to the website, get the podcast. Have a great night. I'll see you tomorrow. Thanks for listening. Programming like this is made available through your support. Information available at MyFaithRadio.com.